Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jason takes it himself, looking at him, back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. We have another great episode lined up for this week with a special guest. But I want to start off with some thoughts about what is going on. I said this a few weeks ago that when the calendar hits June, there's usually not a lot to talk about in the NFL world. All the TV shows are trying to create some sort of football content to keep things moving. But that is really not the case of this year. Just this past week, we had a couple of small things go down in the NFL. And then there was the big news that Jamal Adams wants out of New York. And that has been getting a lot of attention over this past week. Now, we have to remember, this is a guy who was arguably the most loved Jet player since he got there a few years ago. He connected with the fan base. And all of a sudden, he wants out because he can't get any traction going during negotiations. Now... Another thing that we have to keep in mind is that he has two years left on his contract. We are in a pandemic right now and no one knows really what is going to happen to the cap and what type of a hit will the revenue take because of this pandemic. But still, Adams has been acting in a way that we've really we've seen this happen with players in the past but considering the circumstances it's kind of odd you know he's posting on instagram that it's time to move on he told the fan in dallas that he's trying to get to the cowboys he's tweeting as if he is no longer with the jets he has put out a list of teams that he would welcome a trade to considering everything that is going on it's shocking to see him do this and we have to remember another thing from the 2017 draft, Jamal Adams was the 6th overall pick. So far from that draft, from all the first round picks, only one player has gotten a long-term extension and that is Christian McCaffrey. Now there are other players who are talking and having negotiations like Miles Garrett, like Patrick Mahomes, like Deshaun Watson and others. Jamal Adams is not happy about that. But for him to go all out the way he is, it is kind of surprising. There's one thing that I'm going to be watching very closely. What if this does work? What if Jamal Adams gets his way, he gets traded, the Jets decide this is too much of a headache, and they trade him away? Will more players start doing this as well? You know, we've seen this in the NBA. It happens all the time in basketball. We have not seen this much in the NFL. It is very rare because teams have control of the player. That is something that I'll be watching very closely as this saga continues. Alright, on to this week's episode. We have another special guest on, as I said earlier. ESPN's Mike Reese joins the show this week. Reese has covered the Patriots for over 20 years now. With the last 10 plus years at ESPN, we discussed Tom Brady's departure, Bill Belichick, Jared Stidham, Gronk. And I also talked to him about some of his memories covering this team there are a lot of great moments. We talked about some of them and also how we got into reporting. I was curious to hear about that as well. A really great discussion with him. Before we go to Mike, a quick word from our exclusive sponsor, betonline.ag. 
There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports is slowly making its way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need it even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker, tournaments, and prop bets for you to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for a free welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So now, here is my discussion with ESPN's Mike Reese as we discuss this Patriots team this past offseason, which of course saw a lot happen, as well as some Patriots memories from over the years and much, much more. So here it is, my full discussion with Mike Reese. Joining me now here on the My Sports Update football podcast, he has covered the New England Patriots since 1997, and for the last 10 years, it has been with ESPN. It is Mike Reese. Mike, thanks for coming on. How are you? Ari, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. And just want to say, like, I'm very impressed with what you're doing with My Sports Update, and I'm flattered that you asked me to come on. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. I appreciate the kind words. I hope you and your family are all doing well and staying safe during these times. Let's jump right into it. You know, what an offseason it has been with all the circumstances in the world, plus all the movement we've seen with the Patriots. Let's start off the obvious. It's Tom Brady. It's still hard to believe that Tom will no longer be with the Patriots. I was wondering, was there ever a point last year while talking to Tom or being around him that you realized, yeah, Tom really might leave? Because we saw Brady tell Howard Stern that he basically knew last summer that 2019 was going to be his last year in New England. Did you sense any of that over the last year or two? Well, Ari, I think, you know, looking back now, I can pick out a few moments and I can say, oh, there it was. But when you're living it and you're in those moments, it's not as clear when you see it from that, you know, when you're in it. So one that stands out to me was a game in Philadelphia that they won. And Tom came to the podium after the game and it was a low scoring game and they needed a double pass or a you know, Julian Edelman touchdown pass to create some offense. And when Tom came to the podium, he, he was like comatose. And it was almost like they, you would have thought they lost the game. And I remember thinking to myself in that news conference, like Tom might have been concussed in that game because I've never seen him like that really after a win. And now in retrospect, Ari, it was clear that the frustration of you know the season and the situation was growing on him that that he would present that way after a victory so that was one that stood out to me and really just in general Ari like we would talk at times and and it was he would acknowledge that it was not the easiest place to play in New England but I don't think that that was anything that was a surprise to hear because Bill Belichick himself has acknowledged that so those were a couple thoughts that come to mind. 
Yeah, and more people are starting to speak up about it. Like Al Michaels, who does um, the play-by-play for NBC, Sunday Night Football, he said Brady told him before their game versus Baltimore last year that he is, quote, the unhappiest 8-0 quarterback in football. And Michael said that kind of raised an eyebrow for him that, yeah, maybe he might leave New England after this season. This is the thing that is still on my mind, and no one has really given a straight answer to it. Why did Tom leave? What happened after 20 years that he set up the contract the way he did, he became a free agent, and he chose a team that has not been in the playoffs since 2007? Was it just that he wants a change? Was it something with Bill? What was it? Well, so here's the way I look at it, Ari, is, you know, go back to the last two contract negotiations prior to this offseason. And, you know, the Patriots were going year to year with Tom Brady in those contract negotiations. And Tom had stated that he hoped to play till he was 45. And so you had the team going year to year and Tom really looking for a longer commitment to say, you know, let's be partners in this and this is what I'd like to do. And, you know, like, let's see if we can make it happen. And so I think to me, that's the root of how they started to go in different directions. And I truly believe that in 2017 or 18 or 19, if the Patriots came to Tom and said, like, you want to play till you're 45, even though there's no history that tells us this would be a smart investment for us because no one's ever done it, based on everything you've done for the franchise, we're going to take that leap of faith with you, for you, let's do it. I think Tom would still be with the Patriots. So, you know, that's interesting. And when you look at this roster now, it looks like it's going to be Jared Stidham who will get the shot to take over for Tom. Now, the general public doesn't really know much about Jared. What are players and coaches' thoughts on him? What's the the behind-the-scenes chatter? And what have you gotten to see from that short time he's been with the team? So the chatter is that they feel like he was mature beyond his years and that he came in and worked hard and has given himself a chance to be the next guy. Whether he will actually be that guy is to be determined. He's got to go prove it out on the field. And so in a sense, I would say there's some similarities to what they saw in 2001 with a young Tom Brady, like they liked the direction that was headed, but they didn't really know what it was going to look like until Tom got out on the field and proved it. And you could say similarly to Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014 when Jimmy was a rookie. Like they like what he did coming in that first year and they thought this has a chance, but they wouldn't know until he actually went out and did it. So I would put it in the same category, Ari, with no promises one way or the other as to how this will unfold. Right, and we had Adam Schefter on this podcast a couple of months ago, and he said that it will be Jared Stidham's job to lose at training camp, assuming that there will be a camp. So we'll see how that goes as the weeks and months go by and we get closer to training camp. What about Gronk? You know, when he retired last year, I totally understood his decision. But Rob coming back this year, immediately after Tom went to Tampa, was interesting to me. So were you surprised that he came back first? And did it raise an eyebrow for you that he came back as soon as Tom left New England? 
I wasn't surprised and it didn't raise an eyebrow to me. And I think this is one of those situations that has some nuance that if you just look at it with that nuance, it's, it's easy to understand. Rob Gronkowski is a fun loving, fun guy that loved being a patriot, but also felt like the culture under Bill Belichick, which is very hard driving, Ari. And basically when I say that, what I mean is like, it's almost never good enough. So it's like you win a Super Bowl and that page gets turned pretty quickly and it's all about the next one. And that's part of what makes Bill Belichick so great. So I think you take that and you say you're, you're, you're Rob Gronkowski and you, his personality and the way he is, you live that for eight, nine years, like that can wear on you. I think it can wear on Tom Brady to be in that culture for 20 years. And so to me, it's not like he hates Bill Belichick. If you go back to the Super Bowl and do a Google search, you'll find pictures of Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick hanging out mm-hmm. at Gronkowski's beach party at the Super Bowl. I think that's important context, Ari. Like these guys respect each other, they like each other. But from a working standpoint, the situation from Gronk's view had reached an end point. And so he was tied with Brady. And when Brady decided to go somewhere else in a much different culture, really the the antithesis of the Patriots culture in a lot of ways, that appealed to Rob Gronkowski to see what football would be like with his quarterback in a different culture. So to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and Rob has said that he has all the respect in the world for Bill Belichick and he has nothing bad to say about him. The thing I'm really trying to understand here is, let's just say Tom stayed with the Patriots. Do you think Rob comes back? Like, I know he said that he's only going to play for Tom and no other quarterback, but like you said, the intensity and the work that goes into being a Patriot, it's a lot. Would he have come back if Tom was still there? No. And I feel pretty fairly confident about that, Ari. I I don't think he would have come back. Okay, so there you have it. No is the answer. Pretty straightforward. Basically, what you're trying to say is that Rob Gronkowski in that Patriots environment where people say there's not fun there, the intensity is too much, Bill Belichick does things his way, much different than other coaches. He would not have come back to that. Um, One more thing here about this current team, or actually two more things. I know you wrote about this, but um, Joe Tooney, he was tagged this offseason, which came as a bit of a surprise to some. What's the plan for him? Is he going to play under that tag extension? What's the story? So, Ari, I just want to add one thing on the Gronkowski thing is that I think the Patriots players, they do have fun. It's not like this is a no fun environment. Yeah. It's just that it's a hard driving environment. And, and in that sense, like it's, there's nuance to that as well. So I think it's important. Like, I don't want to paint this as like a place where you come and it's just miserable. Like no. talk to the players and they'll tell you like, yeah, it's hard to play there, but I loved it because it was all about football. And so I, I do did just want to highlight that one point specific to Gronkowski, yeah. who I think acknowledges like, they got a lot out of his, they made him the best player that he could be here. So, um, and, and as for Joe Tooney, we're, we're right in crunch time because they have till July 15th to strike that long-term extension with a franchise tag player. And unless there's a shift based on what I know about the situation, I would say the odds are highest 
that he plays this season on the franchise tag. Ryan, I do want to go back to what you said about having fun in New England. You know, something that I've kind of realized, I want to get your take on it, is that Bill Belichick is trying to evolve or change a little bit and trying to show people that it isn't all about working your tail off here. I feel like he's changed over the last five or six years. Have you seen that also? Well, I have seen uh, you know him evolve, I would say, from my view. Um, you know, just as one example, like I, I believe like having his sons on staff, you know, has been very meaningful to him and maybe has opened his eyes, you know, um, in a different way, you know, by having his sons around all the time. But Ari, I would say this, like I think back to the early years of covering this team and we would be at training camp and it would, let's just pick a year, I'll say like 2002 or 2003. And, you know, this is a, the same hard driving environment and coach. And yet here they are in a training camp practice where he puts out the team's young left tackle, Matt Light, 300 plus pounds. And he says, if Matt Light can catch a punt, the whole team you know, gets tomorrow off mm -hmm. from training camp practice. Or maybe it's Vince Wilfork, a 325 plus pound defensive tackle. And all the players are hooting and hollering and they're loving it. And you got the small punt returners working with the big defensive linemen and big offensive linemen on how to catch a punt. And that ball goes up in the air and everyone's, you know, oh, you know, yelling, oh, come on, get under it, get under it. And then they catch the punt and everyone's just in jubilation celebrating yeah. so i bring these stories up to say like i wouldn't want to say it's a significant like change from bill belichick it's always been there to varying degrees in my view yeah but if i recall correctly two years ago the patriots did the punt the ball in the air if you catch it you get the rest of the week off they did it with isaiah Wynn, who was a rookie back then and he caught it that video was posted on social media and it got a lot of traction. And you know, this brings me back a little bit because here I'm from New York and I remember in 06 when the Giants had Michael Strahan and Tom Coughlin was on the hot seat. Michael Strahan was, you know, in a contract dispute, he was holding out and everything. And it was pretty well known that Michael Strahan and Tom Coughlin, they did not have the best relationship. And Mike will tell you to this day that that offseason, something changed with Tom Coughlin. He evolved. He changed as a person, the way he treats his players. He said that during training camp, Coughlin told the team, no practice today. We're going bowling as a team. He changed everything with the way he was in previous years to the way he um, ended up becoming that year and future years that that is one of the main reasons why the Giants had such a good year that season. And of course, that was their magical year where they make it to the Super Bowl and they defeat the undefeated Patriots. Michael Strand will tell you to this day that Tom Coughlin evolving and changing the way he treated his players and being more connected with them, that was one of the biggest reasons as to why they turned it around and had that magical run. I do want to go back to this current Patriots team because I think it's safe to say, we talked about Tom before, but I think it's safe to say that Tom was the leader or one of the main leaders on this team during all his years there. Who is taking that role over this year? Who is going to have the voice of this team now? I, I believe that's still to be determined, Ari. And, and I would say, you know, in one sense, Bill Belichick is going to be the leading voice. But if we're drilling down and just talking about players, 
I thought Jason McCourty made a great point uh, in a recent appearance on ESPN when he said Tom Brady is a type of player who leads by his presence. Like he doesn't even need to say anything. He walks in the room and everyone just sort of eyes go to him and you see how he works and how he approaches his craft and you can't help but fall in line. And, and I, I just don't believe there is one player that can do that. So it's going to have to be a situation where every player pulls a little bit more of the weight to make up for that leadership void, which like we're talking about, in my view, maybe the greatest leader and teammate in the history of professional football. And obviously that's a very grand statement and I don't mean any to demean anyone else over the, the various eras that I wasn't even alive for, but that's how strongly I believe, you know, in Tom Brady's leadership and what he brought to the franchise. And that's really what makes this season so fascinating. There are a handful of teams for me that you really got to watch closely this football season. The Patriots are for sure on that list. Um, the Texans with Bill O'Brien, no DeAndre Hopkins. I want to see how that team does. I want to see the Cardinals offense. Now they, they do have DeAndre Hopkins. Those are some teams that you really are going to watch closely. And I want to see how this all unfolds for New England now that Tom isn't there. How will that team do without him? I do want to shift over to your career, to your media career, and some Patriots memories as well because there are just so many. But first, you're a New England native. How did you get into covering the Patriots? Like, was football always the sport you wanted to cover because the Patriots weren't that good back then and they for sure were not the talk of town. That probably belonged to the Boston Celtics, right? So how did you end up in football? Really lucky, and really just because it was the only option that I had at the time. I was graduating from college um, at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and I think I had sent out a, you know 100 plus resumes to newspapers around the country saying, I will cover anything. You know, I'm just looking for an opportunity and I'm hungry to work. And every letter that I sent out um, was returned back to me with a rejection. And so the one job that came to me was through a network, uh, networking situation where my brother had a friend who knew the editor of the Patriots team newspaper that was looking for someone to join the staff and write about the team for Patriots Football Weekly. And so I went to the interview. It was the only job opportunity that I had at the time as I was graduating. And so, all right, it was either take the job or don't work at all. And I would say my passion for the Patriots and football had just been growing up to that point when Bill Parcells was hired as the coach in 1993. I, my fandom for the team you know, went from, let's say, a moderate level to a very high level. And so I just sort of jumped into it. And really, it's never looked back from that point. I mean, you really could call it lucky because I'm sure originally you never thought it would end up like this. But you've been in a unique spot where you've been covering this team from essentially the start of this dynasty until now. But how did you end up at ESPN? Because I know... You were with the Boston Globe before that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're with the Boston Globe, right? Nailed it. Yep. Yeah. So how did you how did you end up at ESPN? Which, of course, it's a bigger job because there's more than writing that's involved. 
So this was back in 2009 and ESPN was starting up some local websites, ESPN Boston, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, and New York. And I was at the Boston Globe, as you mentioned, which was my dream job. And they had, ESPN was just looking to hire a few people to get these local sites off the ground. And I've always sort of wanted to stay local because I truly believe in like the connection that you have, um, you know, with local teams. You know, I, that is special to me and I like to be a part of that. And at the time, the Boston Globe was up for sale. It had been owned by the New York Times and there was a lot of uncertainty with what was gonna happen at the Boston Globe. Um, I had been married uh, a few years earlier. Um, our first child was on the way in 2009 and the opportunity to go to ESPN, such a great company owned by Disney, um, that was a little bit more of a secure situation, was one that was really, um, you know, something that felt like the right thing to do career-wise and also family-wise. So you've been there now for over 10 years. What's it like working at ESPN? You know, there's a reporter for each team, of course, and then there's, you know, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, God bless him, Field Yates, Jeremy Fowler, Dan Rossini, and everyone else. What's it like being a part of that? Well, I love it. And I think what I've learned as I've gotten a little older, I'm in my mid-40s now, is that, you know, so much of the quality of our day-to-day -day life is the people that you surround yourself with and being able to surround myself around a lot of the people you just mentioned, but the list is so much longer than that, like people behind the scenes, mm -hmm. um, but people that are the best you know, at what they do. I love that because you can't help but want to rise up and meet their level. And so I've learned so much about being a reporter, but you know, also just about being like a person and a better person you know, through um, working at ESPN. And I would say this, like, the comp like something that's very important to me, Ari, is my family. And you work for ESPN, it's owned by Disney. And so the opportunity to take my family, for example, to Disney World for a vacation, which the company, you know, sets up to make it like a something you can do with your family, mm -hmm. you know, at let's say a, a, a percentage of the cost that it would normally be, right. like it's created memories for my family um, that are incredibly meaningful to me. So that whole picture, career-wise, family-wise, it's really been a special place to be. Yep, and I'm glad to say I've gotten to know some of the people there at ESPN. You mentioned the behind-the-scenes work that goes on. I've been at Bristol once. It was last year, and I got to see all the behind-the-scenes work that goes on. It is truly incredible. There's great people all around, and everything you said, I understand it from just being there once, and it is totally true. You know, I said this before, you probably never thought it would end up like this, where you are covering this team that has been so great for so long, has been to nine Super Bowls during this entire run. We talked about Tom Brady before, but how weird or different is it going to be this year for you now that Tom isn't there? Have you thought about that? I've thought about it a lot. I mean, this his departure has obviously, you know, affected people in different ways. You know, I look at it like I'll, I'll share with you a Twitter exchange that I had. One of the things I like to do, Ari, is I have a, a piece that posts Sunday morning. It's sort of a notes column that has something I take a lot of pride in doing. And 
because of the consistency of it, you develop a little bit of a connection with some of the people that wait for that story each Sunday morning. And so I'll spend a little time, I try to do this every Sunday morning to just communicate with followers on Twitter. And one of them this past Sunday had shared a thought with me that it was hard for this follower to sort of get excited about the season you know, because Tom, because of the Tom Brady news. And the final comment, if I remember it right, was like, Mike, help, help me, you know, turn the corner. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that thought is prevalent in certain parts of the fan base, not all, but some people were like, look, this is a transition that's different, obviously, much yeah. different. And I think my response was like, this is totally understandable. Like I'm, I'm human too, like this affects me. And I think there's different ways to look at it. And you can say you had 20 great years with the, you know, so to celebrate what you had and now to know that that transition was gonna come, whether it was this year, next year, two years from now at some point. And while it maybe didn't come at the time that you particularly wanted, you know, if you're in this sort of subset of fans that's struggling to sort of deal with the transition, like, you know what? like embrace what you had, but now look ahead to what is a new beginning. And who knew back in 2001 what was gonna happen? And really that's the beauty of sports, in my opinion. We don't know the ending. Mm -hmm. That's why we follow it, and that's why it's so compelling. Yeah, it's really amazing, and it's going to be quite different this year without him there. What was your relationship with Tom? You were there for the entire Tom Brady journey. Any good personal stories with him? Well, my favorite personal story that I tell is just from a couple of years ago. And I would say, you know, I just felt like not only was he a great player, I just felt like he was a most decent person from the interactions. And they were limited, Ari. Like one thing, you know, we don't know these players as well as we know our best friends. It's not like you spend that much time with them. Mm -hmm. But you get a 20-year snapshot of someone through a series of limited interactions, you feel like you can maybe piece the picture together a little bit. And this was Christmas Eve, I wanna say 2018, the Patriots had um, just beaten the Bills the day before. And I remember my wife was working a half day. This was a Monday morning. So I had the two kids and I had to go down to the stadium to film something for a, a television responsibility. Mm -hmm. So we parked in this lot that was sort of near the player's parking lot. And I have a Honda Odyssey minivan. It's a great family car. Yeah. You know, get the kids out of the van. And we're walking toward the area where we need to be. And this sports car with tinted windows that you can hardly hear coming. It's like so, it's like the anti-minivan, right? Like, <laughs> so it's like purring on its way up pulls up next to us. And I remember thinking to myself, kids, we got to get out of the middle of the lane here. I don't want you to get, you know, run over. Yeah. And the window starts to roll down and the kids look in and, you know, it's Tom Brady. And they're sort of looking, they're not a hundred, like what, what's going on here? And he starts up a conversation with them. He's asking them if they're looking forward to the holidays, uh, what gifts are they looking forward to? What sports do you play? And I always, I like to use that story as an example of like, we always see these guys as what they do on the field. To me, it was a pleasure to cover someone that I felt like uh, represented like the values that you would want 
you know, your own kids to see. A family person, his kids are similar age as to mine. Um, and so we would often talk more about that stuff than a lot of the football stuff. Yeah, and I've heard stories from Patriot players who were there even for just one year, and they tell you that Tom Brady would walk into the locker room and he would introduce himself to us. And the players are like, why is Tom Brady introducing himself to us? It should be the other way around. We should be going to him and introducing ourselves. We all know who Tom Brady is. That just shows another element of what type of a person Tom Brady is and how everyone respects him. I also want to talk about Bill Belichick because I feel like the fan who watches football once in a while... He thinks Bill Belichick is this guy, he's in a sweatshirt, he doesn't like to talk much, but we know that isn't really the case. He loves the game of football and the history of the game especially. We saw him last year on the NFL 100 giving insight with Rich Eisen and Chris Collinsworth and he was just tremendous on that. Being around Bill for all these years, what's he really like as a person? So I, I think this is something that has probably been said before, but I feel like the, the media relationship with Bill is different from the personal relationship. And so I, I, I think there are certain boundaries that are just always gonna be there from the media perspective. So there's the Bill behind the podium, and then if you get him off to the side, or it's something that's not work-related, it's gonna be a different person. And so to me, I. That, that's what stands out, Ari, probably more than anything. Um, a lot of times it's all business because that's what it is. It's business. And if you're in a position as a reporter where some of the things you can do might hurt his business, I think the guard is always going to be up for him. And I understand that. And so um, I think what, what I always look for is to just try to earn his respect through the work knowing that the boundaries are, are gonna be there based on maybe conflicting agenda at times based on the positions that we're in. Do you remember your initial reaction to when Bill Belcher got there, what you thought about him? Because Damien Woody was on this podcast two weeks ago and he was talking about Bill getting there and the players just had absolutely no idea what to expect from him. They knew he's coming from that Bill Parcells coaching tree, but they had no idea what to expect from Bill. What do you remember from when he got hired? So what I remember the most about it was, so Pete Carroll had been the head coach from 1997 to 1999, and the Patriots, it's not like they were awful. You know, they were uh, about 500, and so it wasn't all that bad, but coming off of the Bill Parcells years, which again, were up and down, but I would say from where they were, the Patriots were prior to Parcells, the trajectory was more going up. Mm -hmm. So what I remember, Ari, more than anything, was just like, almost like we're gonna get back to what it was under Parcells with just maybe like a little more detail-oriented, a little more business, you know, um, and, and that was a thing that stood out. Now, whether it was gonna work out, was very much a question because like Bill Parcells was, it was almost like this like mythical figure, you know, especially um, based on where the Patriots had been prior to him getting here. So those were some of the thoughts I remember at that time. So Bill has been very successful down there in New England. We've talked about them going to nine Super Bowls, 
during this run. I want to ask you about one in particular, the 28-3 comeback versus Atlanta. What do you most remember from that game? Did you already have a piece in the works about them losing? What were you thinking at halftime? was already writing a piece, Ari, and that's not the only game that I had to rip down the piece and, <laughs> and write something completely different. That became, uh, that became commonplace over the years, actually well before that game, right? But um, what I remember the most about that game is a couple things. Um, the first is a text exchange with my wife at halftime where, you know, I had said to her, wow, you know, didn't see this one coming. Hope the kids are okay. Back home, it was 21 to three. And then I remember in the text, I said, but if anyone can do it, don't count out Tom Brady, right? And so I always say to myself, I, I, I still thought there was a chance at halftime. Now, if you had asked me what I would have thought at 28 to three in the third quarter, I'm not sure that would have been the same answer, but we weren't texting at that time. So I'm going back to the one at halftime, right? <laughs> Um, so that's what I remember. And then, and then I remember thinking um, just really more about the, the comeback and what it meant to, um, you know, Tom and, and, and Belichick and just how if anyone could do it, like, you know, this is part of their history. Right. I'm hoping you have that text exchange, by the way, a screenshot somewhere. Do you? You know what? I, I, I think I could find it. But it's not readily available, but okay. I think I could find it because it's not because I've referenced it quite a few times. Okay, but as long as you have it and you can find it, that's all that matters right now. Um, let's wrap this up. We do a quick five here. It's five questions. You try to keep it short. If you want to expand on anything, feel free to do so. Um, number one, this is not really Patriots related anymore, but Joe Judge was hired as the Giants head coach this offseason. People are slowly starting to get to know him a little bit more. But um, what type of coach are the Giants getting in Joe Judge? Intense, detail-oriented, and someone who's learned from two of the best, in Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. All right, so that is number one. Number two, a lot of great memories involving the Patriots over the years. What would be, I guess, your favorite moment out of them all? I know there's a lot, but if you had to pick one. One of the ones that I always go back to is the 2007 regular season finale at the New York Giants going for 16-0 and and Tom Brady and Randy Moss going for, at the time, the single season records for touchdown passes thrown and touchdown receptions. And the Patriots capped it off with the victory. Both of them got the record. And the way they did it was special because it was Brady to Moss, incomplete down the sideline on the next play. They went back to it and they got it. I just thinking about it, the hair still stands up on the back of my neck. Yeah, Brady missed it the first time. The very next play, they went right back at it once again and it worked. And that was the record for both of them, for Tom Brady and Randy Moss. Number three, a player on this Patriots team who could surprise people this season. Love the question. Giving it a quick thought. And going to go offensively. Let's go with Demir Bird the wide receiver, free agent signing mm -hmm. from the Arizona Cardinals, previously the Carolina Panthers. Here's why I say it. He's fast. The Patriots had one of the slower wide receiver cores last year. He could be an upgrade over Philip Dorsett, giving them a little bit of an element of what they had with Cordero Patterson in terms of a wide receiver 
who maybe they can design some run plays with to use the speed to their advantage. So for those who play fantasy, there is a name who could be a sleeper this year. Number four, I'm sure there are many players you can name for this, but who are some of the players you really enjoyed covering? Wow. There's, there's I, a long, I, I'm sure there's a long list. Yeah. I would hate to single out like one or two. I will say the ones that, that I just love are the ones like, like Matthew Slater is a current one who, Devin McCourty, who you talk to them and it's, there's football. They're always insightful on the football, but it's always so much deeper than that, Ari. So I, I'd use those two current players as an example of like, they're reflective of the, the, and there's a lot of them because one thing I'd say about the Patriots over the years, I've, lo- I've really enjoyed covering them is I feel like the quality of the people in that locker room has been pretty high. Yeah. There are plenty of different ones. I mean, I'm, I know you did a piece on Matt Light once he mm-hmm. retired, which um, got a lot of traction and that's just showing, you know, the relationship you've had with these players. Um, last one here. A lot of my listeners here are young listeners and they actually want to be involved in sports. What would be, one piece of advice for them that you would give? Well, I would say chase that passion because as Bill Belichick says, if you get a job that you love, it doesn't feel like you're working. So then of course the question is, how do you get that job? And I would just say, um, Ari, I'm going to say, do what you did, right? Like when you started this in 2013, you had no idea what it was going to become, but you just grinded away at it. You had a passion and you created something through hard work and dedication that made people take notice. You earn that yourself. And I would say for anyone listening, use you as an example of what they can do to put themselves in a similar position. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Mike. And um, it is true, you know, just keep on grinding, keep on doing the work. Eventually you will see some results. It is just tremendous advice that people should really, should really take when they do think about going into sports. Mike, I really do appreciate the time and insight today. Hopefully we get to have a full football season. We get to see how this all unfolds and everything gets back to normal. Everyone can follow Mike on Twitter. It is at Mike Reese. Mike, thanks for coming on. All right, thanks for having me. Have a great one. So there it is. That was ESPN's Mike Reese. Special thanks to Mike for coming on the podcast this week. Just a great discussion there with him, touching base on a little bit of everything. And it was really good to talk to Mike because I truly have a great deal of respect for his work. That does it here for this week's My Sports Update football podcast. Early heads up for everyone to be on the lookout for next week's episode. We have something great planned out for that. It is crucial also that you make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so other NFL fans just like you can find this podcast whenever they're searching football or whenever they search NFL on whatever podcast platform they use. You doing something that small is a big help and it is truly greatly appreciated. I am your host, Ari Merov. As I said, I'll be back with another episode next week with another special guest. Until then... So long, and I'll talk to you all next week. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, 
or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast.